This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Salah stars as Reds turn Old Trafford into their own theatre of dreams, leaving Ollie hanging onto the wheel at Manchester United. What does it say, though, for the Reds' title aspirations after back-to-back 5-0 wins? And what is there left to say about Mohamed Salah? Well, to revel in the Reds' ride at Old Trafford, we have three of our own stars. The Chief, Ian Doyle, the face that runs the place, Joe Rimmer, and the O Squires. Gents, how are we all? I take it we're all happy, are we? Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Not, sure, not sure about the other two. They don't, don't want to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting, letting you go first, Oily. Age before beauty. That's it. That's it. Yeah, well, in terms of, yeah, in terms of the result, there, <laughs> that old Trafford. I was going to say, I thought we, I thought we'd have a bit more of a, a buoyant, yes, brilliant. I mean, Doily, looking back on that, I, th- I think it's fair to say a generational win at Old Trafford. So often we see Liverpool go there, and it can be quite cagey games, but certainly wasn't the case yesterday. Well, yeah, things are looking very bright here, by the way. I mean, it's yeah, unbelievably are. bright. Can you go to somebody else while I go and sort this out, please? Yeah, all right, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> Theo, Theo, what did you make of events at Old Trafford then? Uh, it was just a really surreal, mad game. Like, Liverpool didn't even need to be anywhere near their best. And before they knew it, they were like 4-0 up, absolutely destroying Manchester United. All the talk in the week would have been how United aren't very good in midfield and you just need to press them and play your Liverpool game and that they should be able to win it on paper. But then we know what Liverpool United games are like. We always uh, talk that down and it's that fear that United will step up in this sort of game and they'll be able to get Ole Gunnar Solskjaer a few more weeks in the job and ease the pressure, ease the fears. And they just didn't. They were just awful. Um, they, they were just a mess that didn't really play as a team. They weren't putting any effort in, and they're defending so many mistakes, like Maguire and Luke Shaw. God knows what they were doing up against Mohamed Salah. But you can't take anything away from Liverpool because, as Jurgen Klopp says, the difference is Liverpool actually took all their chances. They ended up being goals, but they were still some good finishes. There were still some good moves involved for creating the goals. Granted, United made it very easy for them, but you have to take those chances. And that's perhaps what we didn't see from Liverpool at times last year when the injuries were piling up. But when Liverpool were in the form they are in, was it 22 unbeaten now? They're going to punish teams. I think Paul Scholes said in midweek, if United play like they did in the first half in the Champions League against Liverpool, see what happens, they'll get punished. And it was there for all to see. Liverpool absolutely steamrolled them. And it's one where if... Um, Naby Keita doesn't get injured. They probably win by more. That killed the pace of the game a little bit. Liverpool were just happy there. Right, let's get through this without any more injuries. The game's won. We don't need to really push for any more goals. But it's one where you're thinking about this historic victory for Liverpool. But we'll have seen them play so much better in other games and perhaps not uh, got the convincing result. But yeah, it's a real statement out to the rest of the Premier League. After the results on Saturday for City and for Chelsea, it was a must-win for Liverpool. You can say United are out the title race now, but Liverpool couldn't miss out. They couldn't drop behind those two when it's so close at the top, even in these early months of the season. And it was a huge statement out to them to say, yeah, this is a three-man title race. United, miles behind it, and they're not going to be anywhere near come the top of the table come the end of the season based on that evidence yesterday. Yeah, Doily, is it impossible not to get too carried away with the manner of that win? 5-0 at Old Trafford. The heaviest win for, for Liverpool, or biggest win, heaviest defeat inflicted on Manchester United at Old Trafford by Liverpool in the Premier League era. And I mean, it's it's now, what, nine goals in two league visits to Old Trafford? Yeah, they scored 11 this year, hasn't it? I saw some some stats, was it, about um, at Old Trafford this, season, this year, calendar year, an English competition. Bruno Fernandes has scored the most goals with 10 and then Salah's next with six. He obviously doesn't even play for United. So that that does kind of underline how how well he's done. Yeah, I mean, apologies, obviously missed a little bit of what Theo said, but but I would imagine that he basically said Liverpool didn't even have to play particularly brilliant to to win that game. Um, But that's not to kind of, I mean... Liverpool won 5-0 at Manchester United. I mean, how many people would have said that? I mean, sure, someone bring it up, so I'll bring it up myself. I said United would win 2-1 when we did the predictions on Friday. But then that's probably come from years and years and years of being conditioned in the whole Liverpool aren't particularly great at Old Trafford when there's fans there. But, you know, 
Bruno Fernandes has that chance early on. If that goes in, you know, it'd be one rather than five nil because I don't think it would have made any difference whatsoever to the game itself because I think United were just there for the taking. As you know, Paul Scholes said it didn't he on Wednesday after the Atalanta game. I think Liverpool did exactly what they had to, and I did catch them what went. They were saying then after you know once they got injured, they just went right. We don't need more injuries and just stop playing. Which is, you know, funnily enough, Klopp said something about Atalanta. He said, Atalanta did well. Because up until the point where they actually stopped playing in the second half, they stopped playing football. Well, Liverpool stopped doing that. But the difference was they were 5-0 up rather than 2-0. So, you know, and then obviously United were down to 10. And then it, it, there was never going to be any doubt about the game. I, I don't think we can not go overboard with it because it's such an insane result, to be honest. I mean... One thing that's been lost a little bit is that Salah was the first player ever to, uh, visiting player ever to score a hat trick in the Premier League at Old Trafford. You know, the last person to do it in the league was a bloke called Dennis Bailey, who played for QPR. I can tell exactly when that was. That was New Year's Day in 1992. Well, they're, they're QPR, I think they won 4 1. I was even born. There you go. So it was on, <laughs> it was on television. It, and so it was a big deal at the time. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> thank you, Theo, by the way. Um, uh, Joe was born though, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think, Joe, like I think Joe's giggling at Peter, who's <laughs> the host of our Ale LaRouge <laughs> podcast, who's, who's got in touch. We are recording live on, on Facebook and uh, or streaming live on Facebook and YouTube whilst we recorded. Peter's just asking any tips for hangovers. <laughs> Joe, I think that was kind of. <laughs> For me, certainly just drinking. The, just keep drinking. The, I was going to say yeah, the, the abiding going. memory of the afternoon was what from sixty minutes onwards, just the chorus of Ollie's at the wheel from the Liverpool fans. The away end was absolutely bouncing. It's on to me. Well, he, he might not be at the wheel for very, very much longer. I don't know whether you've just seen it. The MEN have just broken a story then saying they are considering sacking him. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's hanging by a thread, isn't he? After yesterday, because it was so embarrassing. It reminded me, um, and it was it was much much worse for the United than this. But you know, the six one at Stoke for Liverpool, just a, a moment when you sort of knew it was all over for a manager. And you know, just looking at Solskjaer yesterday, he just looked like he was completely shot after the game. Um, totally, he didn't know what had hit him, had he? And it's funny because I'm with Doyle again. I, I, before the game, you know, last week I was talking about it in the office on Friday and a couple of the Everton fans in our office accused me of crying it in a little bit when I said that I thought it would be a difficult game and, you know, I, I was thinking it might be a draw. But, yeah, just Old Trafford is always difficult for Liverpool to go, especially when there's fans there. And that's why we shouldn't... I don't care what you say about United and, and, and you know, United aren't obviously in good shape at the moment, have struggled defensively this season, but... Even, even so, Liverpool have always found it tough going to Old Trafford, especially Klopp's teams. You know, he won there last year behind closed doors, but that was the first time he'd done it. And, um, you know, he's other than that, he's always struggled in front of fans. So I, I just didn't see that coming, you know. And when Liverpool went a goal up, I still thought, you know what, United had chances, they had a couple of shots that went wide. But then when they went two up, I mean, you just sort of saw the writing on the wall for United. They just, they look shot there. Defensively, I've never seen a team. I mean, Liverpool had their defensive troubles, didn't they? You think back to 2018, 2017, um, you know, we, we saw some some bad defensive displays from Liverpool. But the first goal yesterday, where did all the United players go? That they all everyone just disappears. I've never seen players that didn't seem to want to run, track back, bust the guts to even pull a Liverpool player off. They just they just let Liverpool carve them open and um, you know, I thought it was a farce from United from start to finish, but Liverpool was so, you know, cruel, dead-eyed, weren't they, in front of goal. They just took every chance. Salah was just operating at the absolute peak of his powers and just put on a clinic. And it was um, it was just wonderful to watch, wasn't it? It was just, it just filled your soul with joy. So, yeah. Um, I, 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 yeah, you know, like, I think I think it was... was Dan Kay once famously said, well, famous in my eyes, he said that United are like a vampire. You have to drive a stake through their heart until they're totally dead. And um, yeah, sometimes I feel like that. They do They do keep coming back. And yesterday, Liverpool completely and utterly killed them dead. It was, it was great to see. Ian, was your soul filled with joy? I imagine it takes quite a lot. I haven't got a soul, you know this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's what I thought. That was what I thought. Uh, Theo, let's talk about the main. I've man been here. called. I've been called a soul, but there was bits of the front of that. Yeah, yeah a bit, a bit before it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Theo, let's talk about the main man, Mohamed Salah, then, because I mean, 
week after week this season, we've tried to find adjectives and superlatives to describe him. How do you go about it after that showing? Um, for the first couple of months of the season, it's been, he's the best player in the world on current form. Can we take away the on current form now? I think Mohamed Salah is the best player in the world. You don't need to do the on current form. Like Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi, they've got that bit older and they've been hanging on to that tag for a couple of seasons now when you had Kylian Mbappe coming along, when you had Erling Haaland coming along. But Mohamed Salah has just taken that mantle all for his own now. Like if Liverpool can keep this up and they're winning a Premier League or a Champions League at the end of the season, there'll be no doubts about it. And granted, you've got Mbappe who's a bit younger and he's going to get better as he gets older. But Salah's now got centre stage, hasn't he? He's the best player in the world and he's at peak form. Like to go and do that, the only thing that is stopping him scoring in every game this season is that VAR call against Burnley, which was so tight. And it's now not a case of, is he going to score in every game? It's how many is he going to score in every game? This is the standard we've been seeing from Messi and Ronaldo for so long. And it's quite fitting that it was in a game when you're up against Ronaldo, who didn't really do much, did he? Like He had the disallowed goal where he's marginally offside and it was a good finish from him. But apart from that, all he really seemed to do was kick Curtis Jones and have a whinge, throw his arms up in the air. He didn't really impact the game. And it seems like he's a hindrance for Manchester United. Like They'd be so much more dangerous without him there. When you had... Marcus Rashford, Mason Greenwood, or Jaden Sancho, those the pacey players all on the counter-attack. And now Martial, they can all combine with Ronaldo there. They've just got to try and operate around him. And it doesn't really seem to work. Like Virgil van Dijk had quite an easy afternoon. Ibrahim Akanate, who had an absolute nightmare against United last year, by the way, for Leipzig. Like, lost 5-0 at Old Trafford. And granted, he won the other game um, back in Germany, but he scored an own goal in it. Certainly put those demons to bed, didn't he? It's just, it works for so well for Liverpool with Mohamed Salah as this star man stepping out of that shadow of Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, outsiders will say that he's not been rated as highly as he should be. Well, he is now. Like That first season with Liverpool where he scored 40-odd goals, you think, oh, it's just his first season. Defences haven't really got used to him yet. And then he's just been consistent ever since. He's better than those standards now. And let's not forget that we're talking about Liverpool managing to do this to Manchester United and a poor Manchester United. But this was a Liverpool team that lost James Milner to injury. They lost Naby Keita to injury. They lost Fabinho to injury before it even kicked off. Um, they were without, what, Thiago, without Harvey Elliott. Joel Matip was on the bench. Sadio Mane was on the bench. And they still made it look so easy. Um, when you've got Mohamed Salah in this form, no one can stop you. And you don't need to come up with all these superlatives for him because he is just the best player in the world. All you can do is sit back and enjoy, as we've been doing for Messi and Ronaldo for years. But now it's Mohamed Salah's turn and enjoy the ride. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, 15 goals in 12 appearances, Dorley. It begs the question, what are the heights that Mohamed Salah can, can reach, do you think? He could win the Premier League, the Champions League and the Club World Cup, but he's already done that. So it's a matter of him doing it again. He's not going to win the World Cup with Egypt, is he? Let's be perfectly honest. But if you talk, and, and he's already been, <clears throat> the, what was it, the, the PFA Player of the Year? Was he Football of the Year as well? Or was that? Yeah, I think he got both of those, didn't he? So from an individual point of view, there's only really the Ballon d'Or. But I think I've said in the past, I don't think he, he'll ever win it at Liverpool, not because of any reason for him for, for himself. It's just that's just the way things are when it comes to politics and picking these kind of awards winners. So there's that. But in terms of his goals. Just carry on doing as he's as he's doing. Just isn't ridiculous. What has he got? Three on three on Saturday. He got two in midweek, and he got two the game before that. He got one against Watford, didn't he? Oh, was it one against Watford? Yeah, that's yeah, right. It was one against Watford. Yeah, one against Watford, which was a goal of the season contender, having scored one previous game against Man City, which was also a goal of the season contender. And I, and I know Theo really does go on about that. VAR decision against Burnley, which is, just amuses me a little bit because he was offside. So, but you, but he's right. So he could have scored every, could have scored every single game. It's ridiculous. I mean, was he the the, the highest scoring African um, in Premier League history to go from Didier Drogba? And I saw the stats, and like, and all the others have got like two hundred odd games or whatever have you. What's Salad about 150, 160? 160, it's isn't it? Yeah, so it's, it's it's hardly any. I mean, his scoring rate is just ridiculous. He's doing now what? You know, what Messi was doing a couple of years ago. He's, he's, he's at that kind of level. And we're the point where anybody tuning in who doesn't support Liverpool probably turns it, tunes into a Liverpool game to see Mohamed Salah do something like you do with, with Messi or back in the day, Ronaldo as well. 
I mean, you still expect Ronaldo to do something, but as Theo said, it's normally have a bit of a whinge or kick, kick an opponent or... Yeah, kick an opponent when they're down, yeah. Or every, every now and again, he'll, he'll score a winner. But United, I mean, by the time we finished his podcast, he could he, Solskjaer could easily been sacked. And that's quite clearly not good news for Liverpool because they'll have killed off another manager because they uh, did Mourinho, didn't they? Three years ago after the 3-1 at Anfield. And United kind of recovered a little bit after that. So... I don't know. Maybe, maybe Liverpool should have just won one nil and not embarrassed them too much. Yeah, but that did after seeing off Mourinho, that brought in Oli Solskjaer. So maybe seeing off him, Steve Bruce. Who knows? We'll Sam Allardyce isn't doing anything, is he? So no, he, no. he could be one. I mean, I mean, we're not going to turn this into the Manchester United podcast. I think no. everybody else has been concentrating too much on United's failures, and we could be here all day talking about them. We said we should talk about Liverpool. As I said at the big start of the podcast, they won five nil away at Manchester United. This is kind of. This will be for not your generation, Joe and Theo, because you're a bit too old now for that. But for people who are younger, this will be the version of when I was growing up and Liverpool winning five 0 at Everton that people talked about for years and they still sing about. This will be one of those games that they'll, they'll every time they play Man United for years and years and years and years now they'll just reference this game because it's that kind of you know, seismic event. It's, yeah, it's, it's like it's different to winning a trophy because ultimately it's nothing you know there's nothing tangible there, but it is like a, one of the most, if not the most memorable moments that Liverpool have had under Klopp. Yeah, definitely. Joe, moving back to Mohamed Salah, 10 games in a row now in which he, he scored. As we said, he's got 15 in 12 for the season overall. And this game, not just a hat-trick away at Old Trafford, but coming off the backdrop of him saying he wants to stay at Liverpool for the remainder of his career now. Surely, simply... FSG have to do whatever it takes to keep him, no? Yeah, you would think so. I mean, look, it's it, possibly it's not as straightforward as just do whatever it takes. You know, we, we don't know. There's all sorts of rumours about what he's asking for, 400 grand. Um, you know, seems to be around the, the figure that, that is now being reported. And Liverpool have to be careful, don't they? Because they don't want to completely smash their wage structure to pieces. And I kind of get that. And you, you don't. Look, let's face it, you don't want to become a United, do you? And and just give out contracts to players left, right and centre and look at the state they've got themselves in. So I can kind of understand why Liverpool don't want to do that. But but right now, I, I just... The thought of him leaving Liverpool just makes my skin turn cold. You know, it's, it's really, really... It's just not worth thinking about. He's 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 just operating on the... I mean, what more can I say about him, really? I'm, I'm struggling to find anything else constructive to say because he's just that good he, he just breaks records in every game and does something else in every game that you he just leaves you thinking wow so you know I, I thought I'm sure like any Liverpool watching match of the day a few times and I thought they made a, a good point it's just the, the desire to, to score goals and that the, the, his opening goal Salah's you know he has that shot doesn't he and it's deflected back and it goes out wide and it's just the way he bombs into the box and gets to the near post before anyone else to side put that in um, it's just that that nature, that desire to score goals that only the best players have. So he's incredible, and, and Liverpool really need to get that contract done. And just think, you know, if Liverpool were to come out and announce that Salah signed a new contract in the next couple of weeks, it would cap off what has just been an incredible week for Liverpool. Because I mean, just going back to the Atletico game, what a win that was! Just an incredible win, you know, at the Champions of Spain. A really, really good team, which I think. You know, Liverpool have been a little bit unlucky in the sense that some of their big wins this season get sort of overlooked. But that win at Atletico, a lot of people were talking about Liverpool dropping, a, you know, the two-goal lead. But it, it was just the, the champions of Spain. They're a really, really good team, and to go away and do that was hugely impressive. And to go and go away and do what they did to Man United, albeit a United side that looks a shambles, was just was just absolutely brilliant. You know, only the best teams do it. So. Yeah, if they could announce that Salah contract, it would be the, the very nice cherry on the top of that cake. But um, I think we'll probably be waiting a little bit longer yet. Yeah, to underline that point, Joe McStorley, I'll come back to, to you on this. And looking over the last week, the significance of these results, of course, a couple of years ago, Liverpool demolished all in front of them to win the Premier League. But the first game in which they didn't win that season was away at Old Trafford. The first loss was away at Watford. Last two games have now been back-to-back 5-0 wins on both of those grounds and a 3-2 win away in 
Atletico Madrid, which of course was where the the Champions League run began to to come away from Liverpool. Obviously, losing the first leg of the last sixteen. I get it's a different kind, a different type time of the season. But equally, is there significance to be read into that? That actually, whilst everybody was talking through the course of the summer, it's time to refresh the squad and go again in the transfer market. Actually, Liverpool are proving that whilst two years ago was an exceptional feat, they're still ready to, to be at that level. I think what you're saying is, <clears throat> obviously, when a team wins things, they do, no matter what they say, no matter what they say, the, the whole level does go a little bit because there's always that, oh, we finally done it. We finally done it. It's for Liverpool's case. It was obviously winning the Premier League title after having come so close the year before. But what happened to them last season? It certainly didn't help them. But what it has done, it's kind of made them more hungry again to 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 win trophies because they've they've now seen what it's like on the other side. They've seen what it's like to you know they, they were always having it was a, they've always had seasons of progress under Klopp. And last year was the first season you could argue they went backwards. Although there's obviously many many reasons for it, but it was. OK, yeah, they got to the Champions League quarterfinals and they finished third, which, as we said at the time, finishing third in that, in those circumstances, was probably an even greater achievement than reaching the Champions League final in 2018 because of, you know, all the injuries that they had and all the problems that they had and, you know, all the no fans. But now that all of those excuses, not excuses, but reasons have gone, they're now able to crack on. They've got Virgil van Dijk back. You know, Mohamed Salih got 31 goals last season. He's already halfway there. Well, he played about 12 games. So, you know, Sadio Mane, I know he didn't play on on, uh, on Sunday, but he's back to better form. We've got to mention him. Jürgen Klopp yep. was asked about him after the game, and he said that he'd, he was superb. And while he didn't get his goal, it was only when you watched the highlights you know, afterwards, certainly for the, those of us who were there, that you actually were able to appreciate exactly what he'd done. And United didn't get anywhere near him. But he's somebody who's kind of benefiting from being in and out of the team and being able to be rotated. Jota comes in, scores a goal again, scored at Old Trafford last season as well. So you put all of these things together and Liverpool do have that hunger. Yeah, the results against Atletico, Watford and Man United are at different stages of the season. But, you know, they are, just Joe said, I, I agree with the Atletico Madrid uh, victory. I don't think. More was being made of United beating Atalanta than Liverpool and Atletico, which was a bit weird. OK, United's combat was very good, but they were, uh, you know, again, they were playing against an Atalanta team in Liverpool. I mean, in, in, in the commentary, I think I said it last week, in the commentary, they said, like, oh, this is an Atalanta team that doesn't leak many goals. Well, Liverpool won 5-0 there last year, and that's when they had more players available. Certainly, um, Atalanta did. So, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think Liverpool, they had their taste, as I say, last season of, of a slight regression, and they've seen the start of this season, they've gone, we don't want that to happen again. It'll be interesting to see what happens when they do actually hit a bit of a stumble because they're not going to go the whole season unbeaten. You know, they've got 22 games unbeaten now. I think there's only, there are only three games off the, the club record for getting you know consecutive games unbeaten in all competitions. So that shows you how well they're doing. But it also shows you that law of averages, they're going to get beat soon. So could be against Preston on Wednesday. Could be, I don't know, West Ham. That looks could even be at home to Atletico Madrid. So... There's one coming. It's how they react to that. But everything that we've seen so far suggests that they'll just go, well, we know even when we've not had particularly good games, we've been in it and we've had a chance of winning. And I suspect that'll be the case again. And they'll they'll just carry on like that. Yeah, bizarre. It's taken back-to-back 5-0 wins for as well as the outsiders to, to sit up and realise Liverpool are genuine contenders. But anyway, Theo, I want to talk about a few more of the, the individuals. Doyle brought up Roberto Firmino there. We'll get on to a certain Naby Keita. Joe Rimmer can have his say on him having maybe not always been too complimentary about the Liverpool no, number no, at uh, times. Hang on. Are you worried? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm actually worried <laughs> now. I'm, I'm worried he he's, he's going to be okay after injured, that, yeah. that bloody tackle. I, I, I do, I mean, just to hijack, because you, you talked about I, I do feel sorry for him because, you know, I thought that was sort of Naby Keita in a nutshell, wasn't it? His, his best performance. He got a 10 in the player ratings. In a long while. Yeah, you know, I, I thought he was fantastic. Who does those? Um, who does those, eh? Who does Honestly. those? Yeah. Um, Scored a really great goal. Was involved in pretty much everything good Liverpool did, and then, you know, he, you know, Pogba puts in a bloody tackle on him like that, and we just have to hope that he, he's okay. But you know, I, look, I've always wanted Kater to do well. I've just, I just found him, you know, like most Liverpool fans, frustrating. You know, it, he seems to do. Let's go as a good example. Do something great, and then do something, some bad, something not so great. So, you know, I think his whole career has been like that so far, but. Do you know what? Last month or so, I think there's some good things um, 
to 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 build on. Um, so, um, and I don't think that is a swear word. Also, guy, bloody not swear word. I think we're normally cut down on that one. But anyway, yeah, yeah, we'll have to wait. Yeah. Our Qatari listenership can can listen into to this pod and, and let us know <laughs> if they were to hear it. But Theo, let's talk about another man then making just his second Premier League start. There's a lot of chat about him in the the chat box. Ibrahima Kanate alongside Virgil Van Dijk. What did you make of him? He had a really solid game. Not that it was a particularly difficult afternoon for him, but when you're thinking you've been put in for only your second Premier League game, it's against Manchester United at Old Trafford against Cristiano Ronaldo. He'd have thought it'd be a bit more difficult than that. Uh, not everything he tried came off, but you could see him growing into the game. You could see what he's about. He's got that pace. He's got that power. He's good on the ball. He was trying those diagonals that we'll see Trent or Van Dyke pull off. And not every one of them stayed in play or reached their man. But it was still good to see him trying it and finding his feet. What um, grabbed me most, though, was the little involvement in the scrap when Ronaldo kicked Curtis Jones. I think he had Fred and Bruno Fernandes both starting on him, pushing him about. He just flung them off with ease. It's like, and he was so much bigger than both as well. Um, he's not this player that's been signed to be first choice for Liverpool now. He is a centre-back for the future. But the fact that he can still go in the starting eleven and make that sort of impact in a game like this is a testament to his abilities. And he's going to be this long-term centre-back option. He's settling in, he's finding his feet well. And you just want to see more from him. He might get his chance. You'd imagine he will against Preston on Wednesday. And then it's just feeding these games here and there, letting him learn off uh, Virgil van Dijk and then just get better and better. What more can you say for him? Like, he wouldn't have gone any better for him. Uh, maybe got a little bit lucky with how Ronaldo sidestepped him for the disallowed goal. But he's got a clean sheet at Old Trafford and he's helped Liverpool to a huge victory against their, their most bitter rivals. He'll be uh, very happy with his work and he's certainly starting to impress. Um, not bad for a 36 million signing. He's only uh, played a couple of games for him, is it? No, but it goes, Doyle, doesn't it, to show the level of faith Jurgen Klopp must have in him. And you sort of said before that actually maybe it's been swept kind of under the whole narrative of, of what's happened of Mohamed Salah getting that hat-trick at Old Trafford. But equally, Canate coming in for just a second Premier League start away at Old Trafford. I have to say it wasn't one that I was expecting. No, I mean, we kind of thought that maybe somebody might come in and change the back, the, you know, the, the, the two centre-backs, but I don't think anybody thought it was going to be Canati. I think Gomez would have been the obvious choice because he'd been coming on the last couple of games and doing all right. But, yeah, and Klopp was asked about it before the game. He says, look, Ibu did some good things uh, in training. We liked what we saw. We thought we'd try them out in a game and whatever it was that he was he was doing clearly worked because, you know, I know United weren't particularly brilliant going forward. They were, they were better going forward than they were defensively, but that's... Not exactly how it is, let's be honest. But did have one or two chances. Um, but yeah, Canati, he, he very early on, didn't he, knocked over uh, Ronaldo. I think that kind of set the tone. He just was like, not having any of this. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a sizable, he has got a sizable frame. He wasn't having any of that nonsense, as Theo said, when there was a little bit of a, a, little bit of a rumpus just on half time, or just before half time, I should say, when Ronaldo went in on, on Curtis Jones. So he's obviously part of the team, as it were, because, you know, he was going off, sticking up for his teammates, but he's been there for, just because he's not been playing doesn't mean he's not been training. He's been there for quite, well, quite a few months now. So, again, we're probably going to see a little bit like we've seen many a time, Fabinho, Andy Robertson, the two obvious examples, Simicast last season, a player who was coming, taking them a while to get used to it. And then over, when they, when they start getting the very busy games over November, December, when the international breaks stop, that's when we're going to see even more of him. But that's, you know, that doesn't mean Joel Matip's not going to be back in the team when a big game comes up or, or Joe Gomez isn't going to get his chance. I mean, great. What was it? About five months ago, there was absolutely no centre-backs. So now, you know, we haven't even mentioned Nat Phillips either. He was the, like the hero of, you know, the last 10 games of last season. So, you know, that shows you that, you know, Liverpool's, that strength in depth at centre-backs, you only needed one and then suddenly everybody else is fit and this is what happens when you've got everybody fit and firing. Is it the kind of moment, I suppose, Joe, that he's had to wait for, Ibrahim Akinate, whether it be an injury or just an opportunity to get in? Because I don't think any of us, after seeing Liverpool paying £36 million for a centre-back, were going to doubt his quality. Yeah, that's it. And, and like, like Dolly's just said, you know, all those players, Robertson, Fabinho, had to wait their turn. You know, Liverpool paid almost £40 million for Fabinho but made him wait, made him get used to the style of play, made him train. And, you know, Klopp's never made any secret of the fact that he make, he puts a, 
huge emphasis on training, on working your way into the team and, and getting used to Liverpool's style. And they've done that with Canate. And, and I thought, again, you know, we've talked a lot on this podcast so far about you know Liverpool getting overlooked because of talk around around about United. But again, yesterday, all the talk was about Solskjaer and tactics and um, what he got wrong um, and United players not being sure of their positions and this, that and the other. But Liverpool are just the opposite, aren't they? And that's because you know, Jürgen Klopp there, I thought, pulled off a bit of a masterstroke yesterday, putting in Konate for a game of that magnitude. But obviously it worked at his presence and his pace. Um, and, and Liverpool have had struggles at Old Trafford in the past, so it seems to be a clever move. And then Jota. Obviously Jota had a good game at Old Trafford last season, but I don't think any of us expected him to be included um, in the lineup for yesterday, uh, with, with Mane's form being what it is. And you know, he brought him in, look, he scored and was heavily involved in, in what was a really great performance. So, you know, I thought Klopp made some brave calls and they, they were without Fabinho already. So to make those two changes, I thought, was was brave. But it shows that the emphasis Liverpool put on what goes on in the training ground. And, you know, perhaps United needs to take a leaf out of Liverpool's book because I think that's what shapes Liverpool's play. That's what shapes Liverpool's team selection. And it obviously pays off. So, yeah. Um, back to Canate, I, I thought he was really impressive, really pleased with him. Um, and obviously that little bit of time outside the team does him well. Um, be interesting to see where he goes next, whether he plays again against Preston or whether he brings him back out. Um, but obviously Klopp's got a bit of a, a good dilemma on his hands, hasn't he? Because Matip has had a phenomenal season so far. Canate looked very good. There's Gomez, who I think is impressed in the games that he's come in. Um, and then like Doyle said, we've got Nat Phillips as well. Um, in reserve, so Liverpool have got plenty of options. So it's 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 a good position to be in. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, final word on the Manchester United game. Then I suppose just highlighting that Liverpool are everything Manchester United aren't. They're a pressing machine more than some of their parts, and obviously have a system that highlights their key man as opposed to the key man bringing the rest of it all crumbling down. But before we do move on to the Preston game, Theo, and I suppose having spoke so highly about all the good things for Liverpool at Old Trafford, one bad thing, James Milner going off through injury in the first half and Naby Keita also forced off on a stretcher after that horrendous challenge from Paul Pogba. Is there now a question mark over the midfield and which bodies Jurgen Klopp has available? Of course, Thiago and Fabinho also not involved. Yeah, it's a bit too early to say how long Milner's going to be out for or, or even Fabinho, Naby Keita. But it is getting to that point now where you worry about the number of bodies they've got left in that midfield. Like um, Jordan Henderson, Oxlade-Chamberlain and Curtis Jones, now the only fit ones going for the senior options. You think, well, Curtis Jones has had this issue um, since the international break where he picked up an injury there. We all know about Oxlade-Chamberlain and Henderson's injury records. And the fact that you know, really won't be able to rotate them that much if you're going to lose Cater for a couple of months. I think we're expecting Thiago to be out until around the international break. Um, Elliot's going to be out until, what, the new year sometime. So that is the numbers are depleted. And it will be one where critics of FSG for not signing a replacement for Genie Wijnaldum will come out back out the woodwork and be saying, we told you we should have got a midfielder. But Liverpool did have a number of options. And while it might not be great news to see Cater sidelined or Fabinho if it's a serious knock, it's an opportunity for other players. Like we saw Curtis Jones grab his opportunity when Elliot got his injury and he's done well when he's played this um, season. It's a chance for Oxlade-Chamberlain. Like it was only earlier in the week, last week, when he was being linked with um, a move away. He wants to go and search for first-team football. Well, now he could be first choice for a couple of weeks for the first time pretty much for two years. He can really stake his claims. Like, I'm still here. I'm still part of this football club. I can still do a good job. And then it's, well, what does Jurgen Klopp do if he does lose another body to injury and you have your options depleted further. I've done a piece that's gone on this morning. It's like, well, there are a few options there. Tyler Morton did so well against Norwich City in the Cup. You'd imagine he's going to get a chance against Preston and can stake his claim again. Then you've got a potential formation change. They've got the centre-backs there. Does Klopp go for a three at the back so he only has to play two central midfielders or does he do four-two-three-one and just unleash the full front four? Joel Matip's actually played in midfield during his time in Germany. You've got Firmino and Minamino who could technically do it. There are options there. They're just not ideal. 
Um, but hopefully it's not going to be a situation like the centre-backs last year where they really are down to the bare bones, having to play people out of position, resort to the kids. But having had that experience last year, it's uh, hard not to feel a little anxious when you see so many bodies uh, picking up these injuries at this time. Yeah, Doyle, I was going to ask you if the Preston game actually has come at the, the right time in terms of Jurgen Klopp maybe needing to experiment with who he can put in that midfield. But Theo's given us a comprehensive breakdown of what <laughs> may be available to Jurgen Klopp. What do you think is their options? Obviously, last season, we did see Liverpool kind of have to experiment with the likes of Henderson and uh, Fabinho playing in defence. But equally, who in the squad can fill in in that midfield? It is such a functional job that Jurgen Klopp needs players to do. It is Takumi Minamino, maybe, a man who can, can fit into that midfield. Well, they've still got the same numbers as last season because Elliot's basically replaced Wijnaldum. So there, sh- there shouldn't be any kind of difference there. There were games, I think, I'm thinking of Brighton away last season where they didn't have many <clears throat> available because Fabinho, I think, was in defence and... Curtis Jones ended up playing right back in that game, I think. I think Trent was injured and then Nico Williams got injured. You know, there was all sorts going in that game. But Minamino played in centre midfield in that game, or one of the three. And that was, like, probably best not doing that again. Um, because he'd done okay there against, I think it was Lincoln. I think it was Lincoln. Or that may, yeah, actually, yeah. that may have been Shakiri actually, to think of it. So, yeah, okay, they had, they had, to be fair, they have lost an option, Shakiri. So, it's, there is they are worn down. But... He barely played last season anyway, so... Where's the Shakiri replacement? Well, yeah, yeah, where's, where's Shakiri when he go? That's what I want to know. Um, but, yeah, but that, as we've seen, they're quite happy to give other players an opportunity. Tyler Morton, I know we'll come on to the Preston game in a bit. He's he, From what I've seen, I've seen quite a bit of him. He's probably not a defensive midfielder, so if anybody's thinking he's going to come in and replace one of those for any kind of long term, I don't think so. But he's just at the start of his, his journey, his football career. If he gets minutes at Preston, he'll be he'll be delighted and it'll be great to see him because he's someone that the people at the academy have, have a lot of faith in and, and, and decent hopes for to, to, to make a career out of him. But, uh, yeah, it's not great, although we can't go guessing how long Cater uh, and Milner are out for. I mean, Milner looks like a muscle problem, doesn't it, just from what he was saying. I mean, that could be, what, two, three weeks, but with two two weeks being the international break, that might favour him. Cater, they're probably just hoping. We're going to find out tomorrow anyway at the press conference with Pep Linders. But, you know, Cater, they're hoping it's not, they're hoping it's not a break for a start. I, I, I'd be surprised if it was. Um, but, you know, it could be, what was it, ankle ligament damage? He kind of got caught on the shin, didn't he? So it could be, it could be anywhere. It could even have jarred his knee. Although, again, that, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know for, for sure. We're just guessing there. And Fabinho, from what we got told on Sunday, it's very minor complaint. You'd, I would imagine him he would be back for the the game at the weekend against against Brighton. But you know, they said that about Thiago, didn't they? Said it about many players. You know, um, just going back to United. Obviously, Solskjaer said, "What was it? Fernandez, Rashford, and Fred. We could be out." But anybody who's watched United and listened to their press conference over the years knows quite well. Well, that's a complete load of nonsense. Whereas with Liverpool, it seems to be the way now where they say, oh, he's only going to be out for a week, testing them, you know, see you again next year kind of thing. So, you know, we, we can't really guess too much into that. But you've still got Henderson, Jones and Oxlade-Chamberlain. So you've got two England internationals and England under, under 21 international. You know, these are good players. The only I wouldn't have any problem with those three players. The only problem is, as you said before, is the amount of games. You'd need some people... To come back, or as Theo's written in his piece, rotate people like Paul. I don't know, not sure quite sure. I put Mathib in centre mid. It's been a long time since the defensive mid. It's been a long time since he played there, but needs must. Uh, not really. No, <laughs> no I was, I was uh, taking the. I was. I was. Uh, I was but really no, the thing is, the thing about that though is that there are football like. If Van D- okay, I'm not saying he'd do it, but if Van Dyke went into the defensive midfield, you'd be like sound. He'd be great. Probably be dead good at it. But you know, you don't really want him there, and then you're getting into the reverse Fabinho thing of him playing centre-back last year so I mean they could play 4-2-3-1 as Theo mentioned as well so there's many other ways but again this is far down the road this is worst case scenario we just you know every team has a moment in the season where players are out so you deal with it and Liverpool have shown last year that in the end they can deal with with injuries especially when you know they got 31 of the same position out so they can get it sorted. It was an interesting one when you look at um, Klopp's comments about when Trent played midfield for England, because obviously Trent's another option who could play there. Um, and we thought, oh, it's an issue with him playing midfield. Why would you put the best right back in the world in midfield? 
but he didn't really have an issue with it if he'd been played as the number six. He didn't want to see him as more that advanced midfielder. He'd have been completely fine with him as a number six. So that is an alternative there. But then that's not something you really would have expected Trent to be all this time that people do campaign for him to be further forward. But then that is an alternative there more than a Joel Matip. That was just me throwing out a name knowing these had got that history there over in Germany. But maybe we will see that experiment at some point. Um, when you know you've got Nico Williams in reserve there, the fact that Liverpool have got these players that we've rarely seen and we just know they're there in the squad and we hear the coaching staff talk so well about them, they don't get the opportunities. Well, for them to be spoken about so highly, show they've obviously got talent. They wouldn't be at Liverpool in press and in training if they didn't. And it's when the injuries happen that they get the opportunities to stake that claim. So uh, it's not ideal when you lose players to injury. But when Liverpool have got that depth there, it's a chance for someone else to step up and say, actually, I'm a pretty good player myself. Yeah, hot take. Trent would probably be twice as good as any other number six. Little nod to his squad number there. But anyway, no. um, Joe... Well, well they'll be 11 t- times better anyway. Well, yeah, he would be, yeah. But I just meant he's double as good, isn't he? Because he's got two sixes on his back. But anyway... The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Joe, we're 40 minutes into a, a, a podcast ahead of a League Cup game. I'm contractually obliged to ask you all about the, the League Cup. And, I mean, is it is really one thing, Yeah, yeah, I think it is. There's a small print in there, yeah. Um, only thing missing, isn't it, on Jurgen Klopp's CV at Liverpool, a domestic trophy? Not just any domestic trophy guy, but the greatest... The, Cup yeah. composition in world football. So, I mean, look, I, I, I we all know I, I love the Carabao Cup um, in, in its many, many aliases, and 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 yeah, I mean, this is a this is a big one, you know, Preston, um, Deepdale's just five minutes from where I was. I cut my teeth in in university. Um, I think we're all we're all four of us university central Lancashire lads, aren't we? So yeah, I'm still there. Yeah. yeah. Which 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 millennium though? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, was, yeah well, there we go. But yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I really like these games. I just think it's a, it's a good chance. It's come at a good time for Liverpool. Obviously, we've just talked about the injuries, but it's a good chance, isn't it, to, to rotate the team a little bit, to give people like Minamino some minutes. And, you know, I was hugely impressed with the way Liverpool performed um, at Norwich. Um, a trickier game, I think, than, than many realised, again, a Premier League club away from home. And Liverpool made many changes, but kept their level. Um, and people like Tyler Morton, I thought Tyler Morton was tremendous when he came on in that game. Um, looked big, powerful, used the ball well um, and just looked a real part of what Liverpool were doing. So hopefully um, he gets a start tomorrow, with uh, sorry, Wednesday with, with Liverpool's um, problems in midfield. Um, but, you know, it's good for people like Nat Phillips. He should get some some minutes. Um, if Keller has fit, he was on the bench yesterday, was he, Kelleher? No, he was ill, wasn't he? Yeah, he was ill, was he? So if Kelleher is fit, I mean, again, I'm a huge, huge fan of Kelleher. I think he's a really, really good young goalkeeper. So hopefully he can get some minutes. Um, And just a really interesting game. And a a nice one that I think is winnable for Liverpool. Preston have got a lot of problems at the moment. Their manager is under a lot of pressure. Um, So, you know, I just think I just think the league cups it's a, it's a bit of a gimme competition, isn't it? You can go out there and and you can get to the final and and win the thing because a lot of people don't take it seriously. And you know Liverpool exists to win trophies, so why not just stick another one in the cabinet? And sometimes I just think these competitions are overlooked and and fans almost turn the nose up at them. And I think you know I I don't mean this as, as a dig, but I think anyone who's ever been to a cup final does not turn the nose up at more cup finals. So. You know, Liverpool should be should be going out there to, to win these competitions and they've got a good chance here. So hopefully they progress against um Preston and then it is the quarter finals, isn't it? Or is it the yeah, semis? Right, yeah. Quarter, no, quarter quarters, yeah. yeah, so 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 it's a it's a big chance. So I hope Liverpool go out there and, and do the business. I've yeah. been to a cup final, have you, Joe? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, didn't mean, I, didn't mean that. I didn't mean that as a dig. You know, I, I, I'd like to have gone to more cup finals and I've got a very checkered record at cup finals. But, but I do think there's an element of people in football nowadays who go like the FA Cup. I mean, I, I love the FA Cup. But the FA Cup and the, the Carabao Cup, they don't matter. You know, just just forget, forget about them. We want the Premier League and the Champions League. And trust me, we all want the Premier League and the Champions League. But, you know, I kind of do feel a little bit envious towards like the cities who just rack up those other cup competitions because Liverpool did that in the 80s, didn't they? So so why not? You know, just the, the, the great thing about Klopp's reign, there's been some really great moments, but, you know, I'd like a few more little domestic trophies in the bag 
because this team deserves it. That they're good enough and that they should be winning these competitions. So I'd like them to go out and win this one. Yeah, scroll back through wherever it is you get your audio on demand. Go find the the My Liverpool podcast with Joe Rimmer talking about his love for the club. And you'll find out exactly why he loves the League (laughs) Cup exactly as he does. Anyway, right, guys, it's time to get into our team selections ahead of the trip to Deepdale to take on Preston North End in the Carabao Cup fourth round. I think I'm right in in saying. Uh, Doily, I'll start with you. You can actually, I normally pick the goalkeeper, but you can can even start with the goalkeeper and then you're back four. I can, but first of all, we have a Preston expert here, being yourself, yeah. guy. Uh, yeah, yeah so what, 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 for those people who don't know enough about Preston North End and how they're doing at the moment, what should Liverpool expect? Oh, they maybe a reaction and a backlash off the weekend. It was Preston against Blackpool, which is the big derby for those two. They'd not had a league derby for, uh, well, uh, a long, long time. It was 2013 last time they had a derby, but last time in the league, I think it was uh, 12, 13 years or so since then. So, <clears throat> They lost that 2-0 at Bloomfield Road against Blackpool. Didn't go well. A lot of uh, anger around Preston North End right now. So it'll be interesting to uh, to see what they uh, they come up with. But they've looked all right. Actually, I uh, saw their first two rounds in the, the Carabao Cup. Saw off Mansfield and, and Morecambe as well. So uh, they've got a few dangerous players in there. But not, uh, but but Liverpool, of course, with the, the Premier League quality, will probably have too much, I would, I would have to say. But... Thanks, Doily, for, for turning it on me. Nice to... Uh... I, haven't, I haven't finished yet. I haven't finished yet. <laughs> oh, where, right. Whereabouts are they in the championship? Uh... Uh, lower mid-table is where they are at the moment, or some would say on the, the verges of the, the relegation zone. I don't know exactly whereabouts. I'm going to guess 18th. I'll get the table up and, and let you know exactly where they are in the league table. They are 19th. Oh, Ooh, that's, was, that's not great, Yeah, that's not so, great, yeah. is it? No, How's they... Sep doing? How is Sep doing? The three might wins not be able to play, though, really. Might not be able to play. Yeah, well, they, obviously, North End have asked if, if Sepp Vandenberg is available. He's been playing wing-back for them in a back five and uh, started the season quite well. Got a goal, actually, in the earlier round at Morecambe, as well as a league goal against Swansea. And, uh, yeah, there is a lot of love at Deepdale for Sepp Vandenberg, albeit he's probably not playing quite as Liverpool would have envisaged as a, a centre-half. But he's a marauding right wing-back and he's, he's playing quite well. Kelleher. In goal, back four. Back four. Uh, Nico Williams, um, Ibu Canati, uh, as we now have to call him, uh, Joe Gomez, and Costas Simicas, the Greek scouser who nicks Mohamed Salah's ball. Joe, are you agreeing with that or are you going to change the one change only because, and to be honest, it's hard to argue with, with Doyle's centre-back pairing, but if Nat Phillips doesn't play in this game, when does he ever play? So, you know... I, I, Port Vale in the... Uh, Port Vale, yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, he deserves more than that, doesn't he, Nat Phillips? So, I, I, God, it's, it, I mean, it's hard, isn't it? Because on one hand, I'd like to keep Canate in, but then he feels like the natural one to come out and give Gomez some more minutes. So I'm going to keep Canate in. Sorry, Joe. From one Joe to another, you're dropping out, and um, I thought you said sorry to yourself then. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Joe. So I have to make this this hard decision of, of picking a team that will never be played. But yeah, um, <laughs> Phillips and Konate is, is my centre back pair. Right, I think the new football managers drop. I'd love to see you on that, trying to pick your team and decide who's getting getting dropped for that. Anyway, right, Theo, you're back for same as Doilies. Um, it's harsh to Nat Phillips, but the fact that he didn't play against Norwich means he's probably not going to come in this one. And while he's got his new long-term contract, we know he'd not a long-term Liverpool player. It, it'd be in his interest to move on and play football, whereas Canate is part of the future, Joe Gomez is part of the future. So that's the partnership there. Uh, the only thing he could do is if he wanted to put Gomez at right-back with, and then give the centre-back the option there, but you'd probably rather see Nico Williams play at right-back and Simicast deserves his opportunities. Had a good season when he's played. Um, yeah, what Doyley said, it's the back four that makes sense, doesn't it? No, right, okay, Joe. What about the midfield? So Tyler Morton, because we just talked him up quite a lot. Um, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. Third one's tough because because I think it's, it's trying to find balance, isn't it? And I, I was going to suggest I think, I think Minamino will probably play in the front three, and, and, and you don't really want to put Henderson in there because he's played a lot of football. Um, oof. It's going to have to be Curtis Jones. Um, yeah, you know, I don't want to go 
too young, albeit Curtis Jones is a young player, but he's a senior player. So Morton Jones and Alex Oxley Chamberlain. Did you go along with that, Doily? Yep. Yeah, you do. Wow, well, didn't expect that. Theo. Yep. Right, happy days, Theo. Front three. Um Divok, Taki Minamino, and Cade Gordon. No Sadio Mane. Started on the bench at the weekend, though. No? He'll be on the bench again, maybe. I don't really need right. him against Preston, do you? You've just been telling us how bad, bad they're playing. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Joe. He wants, he wants there to be some good players there, so the crowd has something to watch, basically. Well, Preston have players to, to please everyone. Come on. Anyway, Joe. I agree with Theo. Um, yeah, I just don't think you need to, to risk any more players. I think that's enough to get through. And if you've got good players on the bench, um, you know, that's the front three that started at Norwich, isn't it? <clears throat> sure. And, and they, they played well. So, yeah. You're allowed five subs as well, aren't you? So if it goes yeah, to pot, yeah. you can bring on yeah. everyone. Yeah. Okay. And Doyle, are you going to agree with that one as well? Well, the problem is, Kate Gordon hasn't played the last couple of games at the under 23 level, under 18. He didn't play in the uh, when they got beat by Atletico Madrid. And he didn't in the uh, youth cup. Uh, sorry, the youth league. Sorry, UEFA youth league. And he didn't play in another game that I can't remember off the top of my head. Basically, there was two games where he's not been playing recently. And they're playing tonight against Blackburn. So obviously uh, Blackburn at Leyland. So the under twenty three. So we'll know a lot more because obviously if Connor Bradley played against Norwich, you'd imagine he's going to be on the bench for the first team at the very least. So he probably won't be involved. Tyler Moore won't be involved. K. Gordon, if he if he plays against Blackburn, you think he's not going to be involved. But even if he doesn't play, um, there needs to be some kind of explanation why he's neither. Because you know, I, what I got is that Liverpool have just been managing his minutes, trying to be careful with him. But maybe he has got a slight problem. Got to remember, he's only what he's only just turned seventeen, so it's you know it's not a big deal in in, in that sense. He's got a long way to go. But if he doesn't play, I probably actually do think that Mane will play. So, uh, although you can, I'll tell you what, I'll guarantee this. I bet you Salah's going in. Can I have a game? Sal, Salah will definitely be asking to play because he, he played against Arsenal last year when they, uh, they drew nil nil because he wanted to get a goal and that didn't go quite so well. No, well, in terms of goals, then what's the score going to be? You can start, Doily, then Joe, and then Theo. Um, Bearing in mind, you've massively talked up Preston as one of the yeah, best teams in the championship if you turn the table upside down. I think they will give their fans something to cheer about by getting a goal, but Liverpool win 3-1. I think 3-1's... I would go along with 3-1, yeah. yeah. I think Liverpool will take the lead. I think, yeah, Preston will, will sneak one at some stage. My better half's a, a Preston fan. She sat next to me. She, she just said, that's kind. She should take that. So, uh, Theo, what about yourself? <laughs> oh, I'll be unkind then and say 3-0. <laughs> Liverpool always score three <laughs> away Neil, from um, And Neil says home. Theo. Just putting yeah. the boot in. The old, the old Bolton rivalry's coming through there a little bit. Well, Do not from... like each other? Did, did, he, did he care? Um, well, depends what area you're from, doesn't it? Yeah, also, there well, was a the playoff, North, the North playoff, West, playoff final West. in 2001, 20 years ago, went, went Bolton's way and not Preston. So I think that, that says enough. But anyway, we're not here to, to talk about Preston North End history. That is it from us here on this edition of the Blood. Yeah, can we talk podcast. about Preston North End's history? Please? We can, we can. But once we're wrapped up here, Dolly, me and you can stay on and talk about it as long as you want. But a bumper edition following the 5 0 win at Old Trafford. Do make sure that you stick with us for Pep Linder's press conference ahead of the game. And of course, there will be plenty of reaction after the game as well but from myself Guy Clark Theo Squires Ian Doyle and Joe Rimmer thanks for your time and company it's bye for now you've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo